Hi, I'm Gio. And I'm Renee. And this is Listen To Me Podcast, where you get all the greatest and unqualified advice from qualified creatives. Basically, we go through it so you get so good at your thing that they give you your own TEDx talk about it. Anytime I see someone do that, I think about if I had to do it, what that would be like. And I just get the the most nerves, like the nerves of the nerves. No, (laughs) you You don't think you would slay that? I'd have to practice a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I think all of those people practice and usually they have, you know, their close circle or whatever in the audience watching them so they can help give them tips. I know three people who have done a TED talk. Really? TEDx though. So how are you, my dear? <laughs> I'm doing better. It is so hatefully cold here. <laughs> that's, that's the adverb I'm using. Yeah, I don't miss it. I know we talked about this before, but I just, I do not miss it. That one year was enough. (laughs) It's just, you know, I don't want to bitch too much about it because what did I expect? It's Alberta. But the fact that it's not even the end of October yet, usually we're safe until Halloween, but this year it's just like, no, like we have snow on the ground right now. You have snow and it was 24 degrees today and sunny. I was wearing shorts. I met my sister in the, in the day. It was like, I literally said, I'm like, is this second summer? Is this? You are wearing like <laughs> a tank top. Yeah, You're wearing a tank top. I, you can't see me, but I'm wearing a sweater with a sh- long sleeve shirt on underneath it. And I'm wearing two pairs of tights, one of which is lined because I went out and walked to my dogs earlier. No. You want to know what I did today? I was <laughs> like, you just said no to me. You're no, like, because like, I just, I, I don't even want to like, not. I don't even want to I think- agree with you. <laughs> I got home after I ran some errands. I did like meal prep and was cleaning my apartment a bit. And I was so hot. I had all my windows open, my sliding door. I had my, both of the bedrooms were open. I realized I'm like, I am so sweaty. It's hot and muggy. So I turned the air conditioning on today oh for maybe like an God. hour. It was that hot. Even the fact that you have air conditioning speaks to how worlds away we are because (laughs) we don't have air conditioning in my house and most places don't have it standard here because it just doesn't get hot enough. It doesn't make sense. So you could put it in, but we don't have it. That's like when I went to Europe and I was in specifically in Helsinki and nowhere had air conditioning because Mm -hmm. they normally don't have heat. And of mm-hmm. course, the summer that I went was a fucking shit show of a heat <laughs> wave. Oh my God. I had to go to my friend's wedding and I was fresh out of the shower and sweating before I even got dressed <laughs> in my like outfit for the, sh- for the wedding. I was like, this is <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess my pink shirt is now red. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have some housekeeping items before we get into it. In our Halloween episode, I talked a little bit about some of the spooky stuff that I've been listening to. And I also mentioned BuzzFeed Unsolved. And I referred to one of the hosts of BuzzFeed Unsolved as Ryan Segura for some reason. (laughs) What was happening in my head? Anyway, his name is Ryan Bergera. I went and double checked because I was like, that's not, that's not right. It took me (laughs) listening to myself after to realize that I had messed that up. Like sometimes. You're consuming so much stuff that you're bound to get something wrong at least you're consuming things (laughs) (laughs) it's true i read a lot of stuff and i listen to a lot of stuff and sometimes i think i am gonna have to take a break what i was trying to do i realized is meet my goal of a hundred books this year early so that i could take a break from reading And then I'm like, that's just stupid. Why don't you just not read a hundred books? So I'm just having that fight with myself casually in the background. But anyway, um, and I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody who listened to our episode with Inclusive Beauty Solutions owner Salem Verhain. Is that how you say it? I say it that way, yeah. Okay. Because we already have 50 listens. And as of today, it's only been two days. And for us, that's a big deal. That's huge. Oh, I don't care that it's it's small shit for other people. Like, this isn't hey. my favorite murder, Geo. We are, like, <laughs> just starting out. And it was huge to see the numbers spike like that because you had just posted on our Instagram about how 
we had surpassed 2,000 listens altogether. Six months from our first episode. Yes. And given the fact that I was like, we'll be lucky if we see 200 listens in six months. <laughs> like, this is huge. I follow a lot of Facebook groups that will have like other podcasters and they're they'll be posting screenshots of their back end of their podcast being like, oh, we have this many pod- this many listens. And some of them are astronomical, like beyond. But then there's, you know, people within our range and it's it's nice to see that the progress is there and that it's picking mm. up. And I'm getting people that I didn't know listened messaging me saying, oh, love it. By the way, it's great. I'm like, what? You listen? That's I just like, the best. That's I know. Best. It's wonderful. What are we talking about today? Okay, so we're talking about how to figure out what you're good at and how to keep doing it, uh, which I think is an interesting topic, which is why I picked it. And it's our podcast, so we do what we want. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to quote some pioneers of figuring out what you're good at and keep doing it-ness. That's the technical term. You're welcome. Uh, We've talked a little bit about this on the show before that Dolly Parton quote where she says, find out who you are and do it on purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think it cross-sects with another topic that we, or intersects with another topic we've touched on on this podcast, which is authenticity and being your authentic self. And I have a quote from Oprah Winfrey here that says, I had no idea that being your authentic self could make me as rich as I've become. If I had, I'd have done it a lot earlier. You know, I know I always like scream about capitalism and stuff on this podcast because it's my personal TED talk, but (laughs) you can replace the word rich with whatever you want in that sentence, I think. And it still applies. Like if I had known it would have made me as happy, if I had known it would have made me as confident or whatever it is, you know, embracing my authentic self, I would have done it sooner. It's that concept of what does success mean to you and how it can be translated into anything. I've never heard that before, the Oprah quote, but it's so true. And we've touched on this a lot where it's this thing where as soon as I felt like I was in line with things that made me feel connected to myself, whether it was in the work that I was doing, how I was communicating to people, the relationships in my life, the people that I let go of. Once I started to be authentically myself in all aspects and not really allow others to detract from that, I was like, yes. oh, things are moving along a lot quicker, a lot better, and a lot more like freely. Free and easy <laughs> and cupping your pectoral muscles. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I really love all of that because it touches on all the things that I wanted to say in this topic today because part of figuring out what you're good at comes with finding your authentic self. So I think that people who have a good sense of who they are and their values, like we've talked about before on the show and what, like you said, their, your own metric for success is, that's how you figure out what's important to you and what is going to provide longevity for you in terms of your creative or career pursuits. So this applies, I think, for people who are looking for work or for a long-term creative enterprise or pursuit in that sense. If we start at the start, we begin at the beginning, What was the most effective way for you to kind of get to that point where you realized what was most valuable to you and how to embrace your authentic self? Because I think that's the starting point for people. If you want to figure out what you're good at, you have to figure out what's important to you and what your authentic self looks like and what embracing it looks like. The starting point of me aligning with that was when I realized that the track that I was on in my previous life, let's just say, was not doing it for me. Yeah. I had put out into the universe in school of what I wanted to achieve. And when I came to the realization of this is not, this isn't doing it for me. I'm not happy in my work. And on paper, everything was in my resume of life, let's just say, would say, well, what, what are you complaining about? You're on track to be art director at an agency in a big city where, and you're living in a condo downtown Toronto, all these things. And I was like, yeah. I hate this. None of this is aligning with actually what I want. It's what I thought I wanted. And I realized what I didn't want because I didn't necessarily know what I wanted at the time. It has been four years of 
kind of scaling it back <laughs> and take and stripping away what was there and what I thought I wanted and that part of the I don't know if it's ego or if it was this idea this concept of what geo was meant to be and saying none of this is what I want anymore it's not going to like make me happy yeah you're like preconceptions or expectations of what you thought would make you happy that idea of this looks good on paper why would I turn my nose up at this? And I think you can bring in to a certain extent other people's expectations for you. So especially if <laughs> yeah. you, yeah, yeah, especially if you struggle to find that center point in yourself, I think it's really easy. I've definitely done this where I internalize other people's comments about me and use those as guideposts instead of listening to my own voice. Absolutely. So somebody will say, oh, you're really good at this. Or, you know, have you ever considered doing this? It, and literally could be somebody who I've had a five minute conversation with. And for whatever reason, I treat their feedback like it's going to provide me some kind of insight that blows out all of my own observations out of the water. <laughs> like how? Why? That's one of the things that Eckhart Tolle talks about in his books is that regardless of what is said to you, whether it's negative or positive, is to not take it to heart. You don't internalize that, whether it's positive or negative, because it will actually detract from you connecting with yourself and what your authentic self is. Because if you're hearing other things externally from you, then you start, it's like when people become famous and then they start to buy the bullshit, right? Yes. It's that kind of thing, even though, you know, telling you you're good at art. <laughs> is, <laughs> but the fame, fame. Is, the fame is a real thing, far be it for me to quote Lady Gaga, but it is a thing. And when people reach a certain level of fame, you see this insecurity emerge where they're obsessed with people's perceptions of them because that's what they think has informed their success. And yes. Okay, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole the other day and I was watching this video that I thought was really interesting where they talked about Jenna Marbles being kicked off the platform. And before Oh, that I, happened? It did. So I don't I don't want to turn this into one of those things that's supposed to be in a nutshell and then it's me talking for 15 minutes, but then I won't I'm, ask any questions. Right, I'm going to try. So Jenna Marbles, if you don't know who she is, she was a huge YouTube personality. I would say she was one of the first people that at least yes. I was familiar with who got, achieved some level of fame on the platform, right? She was criticized over old videos she had made that were questionable in a bunch of different ways. There were some that were sexist. There were some that were fat phobic. There were some that were racist or uh, contained racial microaggressions. And I don't know the details or specifics of that. So if you want to know more, you just have to look it up. And anyway, she ended up leaving the platform over it. She deleted a bunch of her previous videos that she thought would bring controversial attention or that would have a negative impact on her image. But then she ended up completely abandoning the site and taking down all of her previous content. And she actually stopped making a pretty popular podcast that she had been recording. Mm -hmm. And this video was talking about sort of the aftermath and the fallout from her leaving the platform and the YouTuber who was making this video was giving their op-ed take on, on it. And they were making an argument for the fact that Jenna's back catalog of videos was actually a representation of authenticity. And I don't want to say that I completely agree or disagree because I can see both sides. I think I understand that if Jenna Marbles had grown as a person and was thinking, I have especially younger fans who are coming onto this site to look at my content and they might be looking things up from years ago and seeing these harmful stereotypes that I'm perpetuating. That's not what I want to do. So I'm going to mm -hmm. remove the videos. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, leaving those videos up as a catalog of her work and almost a testament to her growth as a person has a certain level of authenticity. And in this video, that was the topic. It was about how the internet has in a way compromised or interfered with our ability to be our authentic selves because it's really hard to be a messy person who makes mistakes when so many people have access to those mistakes. Yeah, that's why I don't 
post a lot. Right. But it's like, I think there's a certain vulnerability that's a component of authenticity that often Mm -hmm. gets lost when you're constantly preoccupied with what other people are going to say or think about you. And I don't mean to minimize the impact because it's huge. People lose their careers and are deplatformed over things. But I will say arguably that a lot of the time the people who are deplatformed or lose their livelihoods over things like I think it really the pendulum swings both ways because you have people like Harvey Weinstein who got totally destroyed in his career and rightly so yeah but then you have other people who are like calling out shitty behavior who who get castigated and deplatformed they get kicked off social media and stuff like that and they can't use things that are supposed to kind of level the playing field or equalize people's voices because they're calling out problematic behavior so i get the that there are many nuances and ins and outs to cancel culture but i think there's definitely a reality checkable moment in there where it's like if you fuck up in front of people, how many people are we talking about and what kind of repercussion or damage in the long term are we talking about? And is it worth it in the pursuit of, of true authenticity and vulnerability? I don't know. Actually, I got called out on the internet once for posting a meme that said, be authentically yourself, personally, professionally, and publicly, or privately, sorry. And I had somebody messaging me who basically was putting into question my own privilege and saying, is this, is this message coming from a place of your white privilege? And I didn't understand because I was just putting out a message of positivity because the internet is so (laughs) negative that for me, I just, I shared it thinking like, I love this message because that's, it is in line with who I am. Just be yourself. That's all I meant. And for this person to come to say, you know, check yourself in a way. And I was like, what? I, 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 that, this is why I find it difficult to post because it doesn't matter what your intention is. Even if it's positive, people can, you know, sh- shred it up. I was actually just listening to Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay, which is such a, like literally barely into it. And I'm like, I'm going to love this book. It's going to be great. And she talks about how feminism is an ideal, but she's trying to acknowledge and engage with the fact that she is a flawed person who calls herself a feminist. And I feel that a lot. I mean, she even has an essay on privilege and especially as white people engaging with that privilege and the privilege of our lens, I guess, on the world can be really thankless and frustrating and also weird in a way because it's like, You go about your life and as much as you try to hold that in your head and be aware of your privilege, you are going to have blind spots. And so I think the exercise is always to just try to check your biases. But it's interesting when other people are like calling out your blind spots because it's really difficult to perform every action with an acknowledgement of your privilege. Yeah, I don't think it's possible. And so sometimes when I see people online and they're posting things that are very self-righteous or it's like this, you know, that whole concept of virtue signaling, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have no time for because to me, I'm like, you know what? Just go live it. Like, go live it. It's don't make a big to do about it. You know, where you're like, okay, guys. So I'm like totally like woke now. (laughs) Oh you know what I mean? God, like I can't with that. Person. Yeah, it's really annoying. And so I just like, I just kind of, I don't, I stay away. <laughs> That's really interesting because I think the next thing I would ask is, do you think it's easier to convey authenticity and to have these kind of meaningful interactions where you actually engage with checking your privilege and checking your biases and stuff like that in person than it is online? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too there's tone, there's energy between people. You're in in person, there's online, that uh, not transaction, but that interaction is never, you don't get the nuance of what it's like to be in a room with a person. It's like that whole thing that we talked about, you know, like online dating, where you meet somebody online, and you can have great conversations. But if you and then once you meet them in person, you're like, Oh, that's not who I thought you were, because you can how you write something. Absolutely. And it's not even, it's interesting that you use the word interactions online because so much of the content that we 
share and absorb online, it's not really an interaction. You're just putting it out there and then somebody is coming across it and it's divorced from the context. Because if I'm, I'm talking about like chatting with people directly, like, yeah, not, for like sure. not posting content or videos or whatever. But even that, because I think people might look at that as an interaction, like you consuming like somebody's post on Instagram, for example. True. And it's so different than if I make a post about having a bad mental health day, for example, yeah, I'm showing a level of vulnerability and authenticity because I'm sharing this kind of vulnerable part of who I am as a person. But at the same time, it's not like me calling you when I'm in a crisis and I'm yes. sobbing and I'm hysterical and I can't get out of a doom spiral in my head or whatever else is happening. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's so, so removed from that because everything you see to any extent, even if it's people who post constantly and it seems like they're always giving access to whatever is going on in their lives, it's, there's still some level of curation behind it. Right. So that, Oh Yeah authenticity there I think is really hard to achieve I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole but I do think it was worth kind of like getting into the topic so I think social media is probably the last avenue that you want to explore to find your authentic <laughs> self I think journaling for me is a big deal because I'm somebody who likes to read. And journaling can be anything, man. It doesn't have to be 12 handwritten pages about your innermost, innermost thoughts or feelings. You can keep a sketchbook. You can do collage, queen of collage, like Geo. So Renee is the person who put this particular episode outline together. Normally we tackle different episodes and we'll kind of put it together in bullet points with what we think the outline should be. So funny that you put this in the outline because this week I have made a point starting Monday. So this is five days in a row that I have been making a point to journal in the morning. Oh my God. I'm on day five. And so it's very, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. No joke. I've, I leave. I'm psychic. <laughs> so you are psychics. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a latent psychic ability. No, but legit. And it's been so great because I think you had mentioned, um, you know, in the mornings to not look at your phone for the first hour that you're up, no music, no podcast, no, like silence and to write down, dump your thoughts. And that's how you start your day. And I've been making the effort to do that. And it's been, I mean, it's only been five days. I'm not gonna be like, I'm changed. Like, <laughs> My life, you know, it's like it's like people who like quit smoking and they're like, oh, back when I would smoke, I'm like, you mean a week ago? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, but it's been great. Give and it I, up for people who have not been smoking for a week. I just still think that's a big accomplishment. No, 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 I'm not poo pooing it, but I'm not also trying. I don't want to sound like I'm being like, oh yeah, I'm my life is revolutionized now that it's been a whole, you know, five days. I'm of a change. completely different person. I yeah, went exactly. and bought myself a new birth certificate. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> And I laminated this one. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. So I think it's really useful for what you said, like clearing the mental clutter, which is definitely something that um, I think I read in Creative Calling by Chase yes. Jarvis and also in The Artist's Way. So it's a way of getting rid of that mental clutter and kind of getting out of your own way. So you put all of the like fluff or the trash or whatever you want to call it, you take care of that first. But it's also a way of almost conducting an experiment on yourself where you're kind of using it to establish a log or a record that you can go back and check and look for patterns. So in terms of a career or some creative pursuit that you're interested in, that log or history that you have, that you've taken it down, it can help be the the compass that helps you establish what it is that you enjoy or what things you tend to take on and then stick with and what things you tend to abandon if you're using it that way. If you've ever gone back and read any older uh, entries that you've done, what is like an overarching theme that you, you see in your past journals, journaling? Always Entries. my insecurity, always my insecurity and need for external validation. 
we talked about this at, in the beginning, beginning of the podcast episodes where I was talking about the first steps I took to call myself a writer and take myself seriously. And I'm going to be super real here. I thought that that was really stupid. I was looking sideways at that whole concept. I had read about it before people being like, you just don't wait for somebody to give you this title and legitimize you. You legitimize yourself. You tell yourself that this is what you are and that's how you introduce yourself to that, people. And I'm like, that's fucking You're just stupid. repeating what I've said to you. <laughs> I've also read it too, but I, I didn't no, I really <laughs> buy into it. And then I did it and it things are happening as a result of that. And it's partly because of how you present yourself to people and how that forms their expectations of you. Because I've had people reach out to me even for example, this series that Alex Str Strackotter and I are doing uh, through her Instagram florals and yes. floss embroidery, where she reached out to me because she was like, you're a writer. And I was like, you don't know me like other than online. And I did one workshop with you where you did embroidery, which was very fun and super <laughs> excellent. But she didn't really know me. She just knew that I was presenting myself this way. And then we started collaborating on this for fun project, just kind of educating ourselves about like black indigenous and other people of color who were fundamental to Canada's infrastructure and our history mm -hmm. and, and civil rights movements here and all this thing. Right. And just posting it in like kind of bite-sized infographic chunks on Instagram but she never would have reached out to me if I hadn't put myself out there in this specific way. And I can oh, yeah. see the trajectory in my journaling, that departure point, it's fuzzy, you know, it's not clearly cut, but there's a, there is a point where you can see, I started taking myself seriously as a writer and telling people, this is what I'm doing and this is who I am. And then I'm like getting involved in doing more stuff and I'm like, Jesus Christ, there is an upward trajectory here that mm -hmm. probably wouldn't exist if I hadn't done the thing and said what I was and given it a name. Yeah. And then I have a log of it that I can look back at to track my own progress. See, that's something that I never, I never really had, I had never done before was keeping track because I, I never kept a journal actively. And anytime that I would write in the journal in the journal that I had over the last I want to say three or four years I would write like two times a year approximately and it was the yeah. same it's like a cycle with me where I am really really busy I'm working a lot I'm like I'm thinking like yes things are moving forward whatever yeah and then I start to become disconnected and not engaged with my work and also and then I feel this like sense of what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? What, what am I like? What's going to, what is actually going to make me happy? Like, and, and that's the theme that kept coming back in those two entries every year where it would be the same thing of <laughs> I'm not engaged with my work. I don't know where I'm going. I feel like I'm, I'm numb. I like, that was a, a word that I would use a lot. I'm numb to everything around me. And then seeing what, what I would write about in those things. And it was honestly, everything was going, everything was on track. If you're going to look at like what I had set out to do. If you're looking at the big picture. Yeah. Everything was on track. It was just, I was going through like a funk or whatever, which is normal. Mm -hmm. And there's always dips, right? Yeah. Always, always. Oh yeah. The one thing though, I have to say that over the, over the few years that has been more apparent in how I would write was appreciation. I was more appreciative of the little things. And by little, I mean, like not the like status or the money or the jobs or the work. It was, I am happy with myself at this time. I am content with the people around me and my friends and my family. I'm like way more engaged with them. And then everything else seems to like be okay. <laughs> everything else is just butter or confetti yeah. or whatever else. Butter. Or Speaking ghee. Of, <laughs> or ghee. Clarified <laughs> butter. Yes. So I really want to get into ways that you can make your journaling more effective in this uh, capacity, but I think we should take a break because my dogs are circling me like land sharks because it's time for their dinner. I'm not even joking. They just came in here and cried at me. So we'll be right back. So 
I think I definitely stole this or at least adapted it from Andy J Pizza, our fave at Creative Pep Talk <laughs> podcast. And he has this whole idea. I know that he cribbed this from somewhere else and I can't remember where. So if you are familiar with where this idea originated, then by all means, either email us or DM us because I actually would like to know the answer. But he essentially advocates for looking for patterns. So if you, if you want to do some self-reflection or take this as a journaling prompt, what you can do is you can try to write down five things, five or so things that you really like to do when you think about sitting down to either do work or work on a creative pursuit. I know there's some gray area here. And for me, I feel that in a big way because I really like to write, but I also consider it work sometimes because yeah. I'm trying to get paid for it. And I know it's oh, the yeah. same for you, Gio, because you're literally working as a graphic designer. So yeah. But if you're struggling with trying to figure out kind of what you're good at or what you enjoy, start by listing at least five things that you really like to do. Circle two or three of those things that are easy for you to do. And by easy, I mean, there's something that hold your attention. Not that they're not at all challenging or you could just, you know, bang them out really quick without even thinking about it. Although that might apply as well. But the idea is to think about things that you get so engaged in that your perception of them is that this is enjoyable for you, even if it is work or requires some level of effort, right? So are you saying things that are specifically related to a creative pursuit or it could be anything that like, I like to go rollerblading in this specific park. I mean, if you want to monetize rollerblading in a park or you want that to be your professional pursuit, then I'm not here to rain on that. Well, you and I could both monetize that with an upcoming thing that we're going to talk about if we were to <laughs> record said rollerblading in the park. Yes, I really like your foreshadowing there. That's a really good narrative technique, Joe. <laughs> I mean, I'm like a writer, you know. Like, I've been journaling for five days, so I'm basically like, you know. <laughs> the Beatles actually wrote their song, Paperback Writer, about Geo. From the future. <laughs> That was something that I heard about in one of Andy J. Pizza's creative pep talk episodes that was actually related to something else. It was about trying to find an audience for your work. Mm -hmm. And he had the same method sort of suggesting that you go through posts on social media or anything that you would release publicly and then use it almost as a focus group. So you go through that content you look at what resonated most with people and then you pick the top five and then you try to single out what similarities there are between those, those things mm -hmm. to see what the common denominator is so that you can repeat it kind of like Dolly Parton's figure out what you're good at and then do it on purpose. So this is the same idea. It's like, look for patterns in this case, the pattern being, this is something that you enjoy, something that holds your attention and something that you are engaged in. And there are other aspects that I think help you figure out if you're good at stuff like the completion factor is one of those things for sure yeah is it oh, yeah. something that you actually finish or do you just walk away from it and drop it and sometimes there are things that ride the line between finishing and not finishing I know for me there are certain projects that I've walked away from and that I come back to. And I think that fits within the completion factor theory that I have too, though, because even the shit that I walk away from, because I can't get it done, there are some things that I just leave and abandon and forget about forever. But there are other things that I come back to and what I've realized about those specific things. So for example, a novel that I'm trying to write or a short story that I'm trying to write. Some of them are just dead ends. Some of them are just duds. And I just walk away from them and I never finish them. But some of them I come back to. And generally when that happens, it's because this is what I'm realizing. I'm frustrated with myself because I don't have the level of skill I need to make the thing better. And that's not actually as much of a problem as you might think. Because in essence, what that means is I'm slowly upping my level of understanding of writing as a craft. So this could be fucking anything. It could be textiles. It could be embroidery. It could be painting. It could be Photoshop, whatever it is, right? 
I'm upping my level of knowledge of how to write enough that I can see that this isn't good enough, but I still haven't yet achieved the level of expertise that I need to make it as good as I want it to be. And the only way that you can bridge that gap is to keep fucking working at it. And one thing that I do write or I do do is continue to write regardless of whether I'm working on the projects that I've let's say press pause on. It's more charitable than abandoned. What you're saying is literally a re explanation of what I said earlier in this episode, where when I started out in my career and I was working at an agency and it was this idea of this is what I want to be doing. I also know that I want to be working for myself and I don't know how to make that happen, but I'm also doing side gigs on top of my full-time job because I know that I want to do it, but I'm not good enough to feel confident to actually go out on my own. And it's all these stepping points or all these things that over the the years where you're like, I put this down, but I kind of always had it in the peripheral. And here we are. I think that those projects, like Gio was saying, the things that you put down, but you pick up, you keep coming back to them. Those are really good indicators. They're checkpoints for you almost. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a list of things that you enjoy doing and you can pick out from that list, things that you've either actually completed or that you can't leave alone, like you might put down for a few months at a time, but you always come back to, to fiddle with that's a really good indicator that that's something that's complex enough and rich enough that it engages your interest. And that even if it's not easy, because I really want to just totally atomize this myth. I just want to obliterate it forever. That just because you don't have this natural Olympic league talent to do something doesn't mean that you're not entitled to do it. Yeah, I agree. The minute that you start to tell yourself, that's not me, like if you hear the words in your own mind saying that's not me or I can't do that, you won't do it. Yeah. There's there's something to be said about the power of your own voice because you, li- and not to be like cheesy, like, oh, you can be whatever you want to be, but like within reason, you can do anything. Any We're of not us can saying do there are no obstacles. There are, that's of course. That's not what this is. If you're following along through this the series of listen to me we talk about all the obstacles you know that we know that there are obstacles we are aware of it i'm just saying that with all the things we talk about hard work dedication connecting to yourself and being authentically yourself and how you approach these things will lead you to those things but what i will say is that Don't expect, if you're anybody who's familiar with school or any kind of trade or whatever, you don't expect to, or even a job, you don't expect to show up at your job on day one, knowing literally everything there is to know about that job. So don't put that pressure on yourself with creative pursuits. Don't let the fact that you're coming into something that's you're relatively new to, and you don't have the assembled knowledge, skills, and abilities of somebody who has been in this pursuit for years and years be the thing that you use to tell you, like the temperature check that's like, well, I guess this isn't for me. Because of course, you'd never do anything (laughs) at that point if that was the case. Quick story on that to put it into context just for myself. I was fresh out of school, okay? Zero work experience. The shit that I learned in school was like the thinnest of foundations. Is it the tippest of the iceberg? (laughs) And I went into a job interview at the agency I worked at and they had outsourced for years, never had in-house. And I basically said to them, having no experience, hire me and I'll do all the creative for all of your departments. Then you won't have to hire out. You just pay my salary. And they hired me and I was like... Oh shit. <laughs> now she I have was making the Macaulay Culkin face from Home Alone right oh, now. Oh, <laughs> I was I'm glad you clarified because I was like the Macaulay Culkin face of 2020 is Listen, that's the face of everyone in 2020. Don't shame Macaulay Culkin for going through it. So, if that is an example of like not stressing about the unknown, and then, you know, 3-4 years later, I was running the department. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, the it's the department that, thing... that didn't previously exist. Exactly. And so you just have to jump in a little bit at times without knowing what the fuck you're doing because you're not going to know what you're doing, but you learn. And that's the only way that you'll actually feel grounded in what you're doing is by feeling the the progress. You're like, oh, I'm learning. I feel better in this and I feel more 
confident to move forward versus, oh, I know this. Because then you don't actually engage with it. You're like, whatever. Yeah, you're on autopilot. Exactly. To contradict what we said earlier about you know, <laughs> taking the long view, like looking at the big picture, there is something to be said for focusing on those incremental pieces, especially when you're in that development phase or that learning phase, because you're just taking things one step at a time. And instead of measuring yourself by someone else's metric, because it's really easy to identify success. I think that's one of the easiest things there is to do, because if you're talking about your personal aspirations, chances are you've looked around at the other people who have done and kind of walked the path that you want to walk and you see them kind of at the finish line or maybe even like past the finish line, well-established and you go that, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. And so you're constantly comparing yourself to somebody who's like way over there instead of focusing on the fact that you are building things step-by-step. And I mean, that's why to me, it's really good, important, valuable to me that like Gio and I are going to sit here and talk about how we have 2000 listens total (laughs) on our podcast because we're not huge. This isn't Joe Joe Rogan. Rogan. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing besides figuring out what engages you is who engages you. So I already talked a little bit about how you always have people that you can compare yourself to and say, yeah, that, what they did, that's what I want to do. But also identifying those other creatives and they don't have to be people from within your same creative group, if you want. Like I know from years of experience that talking to Gio can be very galvanizing and Gio other than being the eponymous subject of the paperback writer song by the Beatles is not a novelist I don't think I ever would have started this podcast by myself definitely not at this time if it wasn't for Gio and this podcast is another avenue for a creative outlet as far as I'm concerned and it it has been very rewarding and very instructive in the sense of teaching all of that background administrative stuff that goes along with creating and creating a product because we have to put out an episode every week we have to research our topics we have to do this we have to do that so it's taking me through the ins and outs of what structuring a podcast is instead of just being like oh wouldn't it be fun if i wouldn't it be interesting and blah, blah, blah. And we picked a topic that is engaging that we're actually sticking with. And that's another thing too, is teaching the longevity of it, right? Like we're in this for the long haul because after six months, we're not at 2 million downloads. <laughs> like, <laughs> So I think it is really valuable to connect with other people. It doesn't have to be, as I said, the creative pursuit that you're dreaming, but maybe even somebody who has an established creative practice. And you go, oh, if only I could dedicate regular time to my creative thing or my passion, whatever it may be, like this person is with their painting, drawing, sculpting, ceramics, hair braiding, rollerblading, whatever it is. I just wanted to tie in really because I thought it was funny that you brought it up earlier. And also what that ends up doing is creating a network because we talk all the time about how creative people by nature, I think are collaborators. Creative people are by nature people who are interested in different viewpoints and understanding lots of different things and lots of different subjects. And so it sets you up for those connections that you make with people who can, I don't know, you just like, might find yourself collaborating on something that you never would have thought that that person becomes your entry point into a medium that you've never explored before. So another thing you can do if you're kind of missing people's presence in your life, if you don't want to email them or kind of like cold Zoom call them, but that's always an option, is you can look to whoever your heroes are. So for me, that would be, you know, my literary heroes or the people that I... Me. Yes, Geo, that's right. Paperback writer. (laughs) Paperback writer. And see how they started and see what steps they took. So for me, one of the things that I did um, for a really long time, and this was before I started 
pursuing writing more seriously, but I had this thing in my head where unless you write a novel, you can't call yourself a legitimate writer. And I was very scornful of short stories or any short medium writing, short form writing, which I will say is very wrong (laughs) and ignorant. And the more research I did into authors whose work I admired and two contemporary authors right off the bat or actually three that I can name are like Neil Gaiman, um, Margaret Atwood is another one and Kay Jemison is a fucking incredible science fiction fantasy author that I've mentioned on the podcast before. They all started with writing short stories and short form fiction and publishing short form fiction and poems. I don't think, I don't know if Neil Gaiman ever wrote poetry, but Margaret Atwood did. She published several volumes of poetry in the seventies and they all started out really small. And again, it's this, this idea of stacking because you stack one on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. And all of a sudden you have a tower where before you maybe had like just four or five blocks just laying around. Right. Mm -hmm. So walking back their process and looking at what they did, I was like, I can do this. I can start writing extremely shitty poetry and submitting it. And that's going to be the first thing that I get published is a short form piece of fiction. So that is also really helpful. Like looking to the people who inspire you at any point through history and then just kind of following the line of their biography and seeing how they built their body of work and what they did and seeing if it engages you in that way. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be somebody within your field, because for me, as much as I am inspired by other creatives and designers, artists, whatever, the biggest push for me that was, you can make something happen out of nothing were my parents. You have these two immigrant Italians who started a business in construction. So it's not necessarily a creative field, but you are making something. You're a part of the process of home building, just seeing their trajectory and how they, they just figured it out on the fly. And my dad networked, he did, he was hardworking. He took every job possible. And so I kind of used that as a template for myself where it was, okay, just do any work, just get paid for anything. Yeah. And then start to get your name out there and it will grow. And it's exactly what it was. So I used my parents as a template. That was something that <laughs> it worked. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so bored listening to you talk about your parents. No, I'm just kidding. That's my <laughs> intro to the next point. <laughs> Bad segue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely agree with what you're saying because you can walk it back to the start, right? And it's this whole yeah. idea of not comparing yourself to the finish line, but looking at what people did to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then being like, how, what's the analog to that in my own path? How do I do the the little stuff first? What does that look like for me? And then give myself a base to build on, right? Which is huge. You're so smart, Renee. Oh my God. I've never I know. I'm just restating before. everything that you just said. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing, so the next point that I have is the boring point, which I think I really struggle with personally. And I'm sure that Gio can relate as he's fanning himself in his closet. So being bored is weird and it is a weird luxury right now because we are in an and i know i don't have to say this but we know we live in an unprecedented time of having instantaneous access to whatever we want what did we do before the internet i don't know i used to be the kind of person 15 years ago who only went online for 45 minutes a day and i don't even know what that looks like anymore i remember what we used to do before the internet we used to write letters to each other, even though and we saw each comics. other and we saw each other every day. And yet we would mail snail mail letters to each other We did as an do added that. bonus of friendship and contact. I <laughs> forgot about that, but we did do that. I still have the comics that we drew oh, for me each too. other and in class and stuff like that. And that's what we do on our breaks too, because we didn't have fucking smartphones. So we couldn't yeah. go online or like post anything because like social media was my space at that point. No, I'm so talking before that. we actually had then. to interact with each other. I'm saying before that. Like, I'm saying, like, before the oh, internet yeah, yeah, was yeah. even, like, a, a, an entity of fucking destruction on the mind. I'm bringing it into high school now is what I'm thinking of. So being bored is now this really weird thing that you have to work hard at, I think. And one of the things that we've talked about before with actually a few of our guests, because there seems to be a running theme where creatives 
struggle with that like chatterbox brain thing is that when people lay down at night to go to sleep and so they're finally disconnected from everything because presumably you don't sleep with the tablet in front of your face or your smartphone that's when the kind of wheels start turning and i often get really good ideas for lines or dialogue or whatever the case may be poetry when i lay down at night and i know that that's because the rest of the day when I'm up and around, there's always something in front of my face. Absolutely. I'm always engaged with something. When I go and walk my dogs, I'm either listening to an audiobook or a podcast. So it can be really challenging to disconnect, especially, especially if you're the kind of person who's trying to fit as much as they can into their day. My suggestion to people, if they're trying to figure out what they like, is let yourself be bored and see what you gravitate to that isn't necessarily your phone, right? <laughs> but I mean, if you want to have a lucrative career as somebody's publicist, then maybe that's what it's telling you if you are gravitating towards your phone. If you're somebody who makes actual content for social media and you like, because there are people who are content creators on Instagram. I will give them that. There are people who actually put out something with a recognizable aesthetic something that they've created animated gifs or gifs if you will with elements that they've kind of put together outside of canva which is the go-to <laughs> for geo uh, but you know what canva. i mean there are people like that and i think that they can be quite successful but generally speaking those people it's not just about posting on social media. Like I'm thinking about um, if you follow Lindork, Linda Hong, she's a blogger, like a travel blogger and a food blogger in Edmonton who's really popular. It's at Linda or at Lindork on Instagram. And she has done so much stuff around the city. She's done collaborations with local restaurants. She's posted about places to eat. She did a post when COVID hit in Alberta of local Edmonton makers that you could buy masks from. But all of her posts are extremely recognizable because she has her brand, I guess you would call it, or the content that she's generating is all about centering herself and her husband. And I think they might have a dog in these adventures that they're doing. And she's very authentic to herself. And what's interesting to me is that her brand, so to speak, or the content that she's making probably grew out of things that she naturally just gravitated towards. So she was somebody who liked food and liked to travel. But then on top of that, she added this element of, I like to take pictures. I want to document all the aspects of my vacation or my meal. And then I want to post a review. So I'm going to actually take the time to write an analysis or feedback about what I actually experienced. And she's somebody who's a community ambassador. So she's really, really interested in promoting what you can get and what you can do locally. So that fed into the content that she's producing. And mm -hmm. I don't think that scrolling Instagram is the way that she got there. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, definitely not. As somebody who has not necessarily had the opportunity to be bored, in a very long time for extended periods of time i don't necessarily know what it what it feels like to explore new avenues of creativity because i'm just so consumed with work <laughs> that it's like i don't like if i have a couple days off i don't want to think about work i don't want to think about anything creative that's related to my screen or my computer so for me it's yeah. like personal so it's a different thing altogether but yeah it, it's and everybody has different levels of what that looks like. I would say it still applies though, because even the other day on the podcast, you were talking about how you're doing paintings and you yes. like went and got those canvases and you're going to do these paintings. Like that to me, you need to unplug to be able to do that. I can't and wait to show if, you. Yes, I'm so excited for that. <laughs> even if you aren't somebody who struggled with finding your creative focus, being bored can help you figure out kind of what your next project should be even. Yes, you know what I mean? Like absolutely. what you find yourself, like for you specifically, and we've, I know, cause we've talked about this before you've said like, for you work is on the computer. So you doing a digital art project is some way to relax or unwind or feed that creative fire. That just isn't an option for you. Right. 
No, because even like digital illustration, like I was saying, like in 2016, when I was doing a lot of it, I, mm-hmm. it's because I wasn't working. So I was trying to find work by posting a lot of digital art. And then I started working and getting clients. And then yeah. now I'm like, I don't want to draw on, I want to do something more tactile. And it stimulates a different part of my brain yes. because I'm not sitting there with my hands clicking buttons and like, you know, creating an illustration on a screen. Whereas, okay, I'm going to take an actual substance <laughs> and try and manipulate that into a visual <laughs> oh it's so different it's so, so different, different than working on the computer and i think that dovetails into the point of listening to your gut and what you need and for some people you need to access that state of boredom or at least some form of disconnection to to really hear yourself think in a mm-hmm. way because we have so much noise so you got to like give yourself time. You have to listen to it. You have to be willing to put in the work just like everything else. Listen to yourself, listen to your bad ideas, listen to your gut. And that's it. It's our recipe for success. Geo just <laughs> I think he tried mic. to drop his mic and instead he just kind of knocked it over. <laughs> no, I dropped it. I picked it up and dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> So do you have any creative podcast? Nope, that's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> do you have any creative power-ups for today, Gio? Yes, and this is actually going to be shocking to you because I have said on record on this shindig that we do, <laughs> saying that I would never do this. And today I went to go look at a kitten. Oh my god! <laughs> 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 you completely cut out when because you, you got so excited the mic just like didn't <laughs> I was get too it. loud I was too loud for the mic it wouldn't let me live my life um but yeah so I'm and also I'm just like alone a lot and I'm always home and so a dog is out of the question because I just can't be bothered with that much at work I just don't care as much as I love them do you love your dog nephews that I have. <laughs> <laughs> For a minute, I thought you were talking about like Sandra's dog, Figgy. I was also I was like, thinking about Figgy, yes. But uh, yeah, so I, I w- just was like whispering this in so much in a way to my sister. I was like, I think I might consider getting something <laughs> in the future. Like I was saying like, next year like i'm I'm gonna wait like six months you know really think about it within 15 minutes of me saying this and my sister was visiting she had already posted a status on on facebook saying if anyone knows if anyone's selling kittens let me know she was already on kijiji and was looking online to like oh like cat like beds like and i'm like lorena because she's a cat freak like she's obsessed with cats she hooked up this meeting today. I did not. Oh my God. See, you opened the door and she like wedged half her body inside. You were like, I'm just going to open it a crack. And she was like, hello. Wedged. <laughs> she literally took dynamite and <laughs> taped it to the doors and blew the whole infrastructure out. <laughs> she went for it. So yeah, so that's my creative power up is that I may or may not have found a new furry friend who is very adorable and loving and cute and friendly. And I may or may not have him in my home in the next week. That is so exciting. Yeah. A little, a little, a little, as I like to call my sister, sister and I say a little cuckoo. (laughs) (laughs) The umlaut. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Poo-poo. Pew-pew. Oh my God. How about you? What's your creative power up? I know it's so cold here. My brain is frozen. It's making it really difficult to think. Your creative power up is maybe thinking about how hot and steamy my room is right now because I'm like sweating. (laughs) I've been taking a little break from writing and reading, which I think I need. And I think you and I talk about this a lot and it's really hard. I really struggle with the guilt and being like, I should be always doing something. I should be always working on something. I should be always reading something, obviously, because I talk about it all the time. But I'm taking a break because right now is really difficult for me. Um, Tomorrow is the anniversary of my dad's death and the one year. And um, I think I just need a break. So I've still been doing my coursework. So it's technically not even like a full break, but it's kind of a break. And you can't do everything all at once. You got to pick and choose where your energy goes. And there is a lot of 
workshop material or kind of material associated with the course that I've been doing. And I've been trying to keep up on the exercises. And in a way, it's helpful because I've been working on this novel manuscript for a while now. And I kind of put this expectation on myself to have it wrapped up sooner than I have which is fine because it's still, it's again, like I was talking about before, it's like kind of a learning curve because I've never really completed a polished manuscript before. And I really ran aground. Like I kind of beached myself on the concept. Like I was like, I like this and I think I know where it's going, but then I didn't. So I wrote myself into this mucky swamp of a middle of the book and then I just kind of was like oh my god I need to walk away from this because I don't know how to fix it and I think the course is going to help me with fixing it because I'm re-examining I'm using the tools from the course to re-examine what I've written so far that's wonderful yeah so it's kind of I kind of have to give myself that that little pat on the back where I'm like you know you're maybe not creating new content but even as you're revising and rewriting, you're still learning stuff. It's still a valuable experience. And I, I'm going to count it as writing. So that's what I'm doing. That's my creative power up. That's great. I think that's awesome because you need to take a step away in order to be reconnecting with it sometimes. Where you're like, if you're yeah. just trying to push something out and it's just not working, step away, go take a laxative. And right. then come back. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is your, your like creative laxative, let's just You're say. is your give yourself creative hemorrhoids if you push too hard. Don't strain. <laughs> <laughs> Don't strain. I know just what you're pushing. <laughs> There's layers to that reference. I hope you caught at least one of them. Yes. Haunted. Haunted forever. <laughs> okay, right. let's wrap it up. I want to say thank you to everyone for listening to me. And to me. And if you have any burning questions or you have a foolproof way to not be bored, please email us at listentomepodcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on social media. And if you like what you hear, please let us know by rating this podcast and subscribing. Do it's it. so helpful. Just do it. Your support means everything. Literally the reason we're doing this. And you can follow us on social media at listen to, that's the number two, me pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And music in this episode is graciously provided by audionautics.com. Goodbye. Bye. I like to wave even though they can't see me. <laughs> <laughs>